beginning that time of year. If you've been around for any length of time, you know what that means. We've got holidays that are coming up. Amen. So that gives license to the preacher preach some things. Amen. 2 Timothy chapter number 3. 2 Timothy chapter number 3 that is slightly before the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. Amen. And when you find that, if you are able to, Put your finger there. We're going to come back to that in just a moment. But I also want you to find the book of the Psalms, the 100th Psalm. Psalm 100. Bible, that is page 674, amen, so, so keep your finger there, we're going to start with 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter number 3, verse number 1, Paul is writing to the young preacher, and he says, this know also, so in addition to everything else I've talked to you about, he said, this know also that in the last days, everybody say the last days, perilous times shall come. Men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, and he continues on with that list. Among those things was the word unthankful. Let's go to the book of the Psalms, Psalm 100 and verse number 4. Psalm 100 and verse number 4. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be what? Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Amen. God bless you this morning. You can be seated. I'm going to preach on the subject simply this morning. No time for Thanksgiving. No time for Thanksgiving. In his book, Folk Psalms of Faith, a man Ray Stedman tells of an experience uh, that H.A. Ironside had in a crowded restaurant. Just as Ironside was about to begin his meal, a man approached him and, and asked if he could join him. Ironside invited uh, this man to have a seat, and then, as was his custom, Ironside bowed his head in prayer. When he opened his eyes, the other man asked, Do you have a headache? He replied, No, I don't. The other man asked, Well, is there something wrong with your food? And he replied again, No, I was simply thanking God as I always do before I eat. The man said, Oh, you're one of those, are you? 
Well, I want you to know I never give thanks. I earn my money by the sweat of my brow, and I don't have to give thanks to anybody when I eat. I just start right in. And Ironside said, well, you're just like my dog then. That's what he does too. Amen. We, my wife and I went last night, uh, just spending some time together, went to watch some fireworks. Apparently there was a parade there as well. Uh, and, uh, and, and as we went there, they, they were celebrating Christmas already. Anybody been in the stores? What music are they playing? They've already started with Christmas music. Now, I'm not promoting Santa Claus, and, and everybody here should know me by, well enough by now, but, but even from a world perspective, Santa hasn't even come yet. And yet they're still playing the Christmas songs. And so apparently while we were there, apparently Santa showed up. Uh, we didn't get to see him. We didn't sit on his lap or anything like that. Uh, and so, but there were apparently thousands of people there. The parking lots were full, all to be able to witness Santa's arrival. Now, apparently, if you missed it, he's coming again next week at a different location. <laughs> but you get the point is that, is that you know, we, we, we just finished, and, and, and uh, you know, for anybody who partakes of it i'm not going to preach against you right now but but if you celebrate halloween you go from begging from begging for candy right away to begging for gifts and you skip something vitally important in between there there's a holiday that's coming up this week anybody want to guess what it is thanksgiving Thanksgiving. Now, stores are already decorated. They've already pretty much gotten rid of the Thanksgiving stuff. They're, they're, they've already made way for Christmas decor. So we jump right from, from one holiday and skip over one to the next. And so, we, so we, we've got to make sure, as the people of God, to stop and give thanks. To make sure that, that we don't miss the opportunity. Now, now as, as the people of God, we've got to understand that it should be more than just a holiday that causes us to give thanks. But folks, we've got a holiday, so let's at least take advantage of it and give thanks. Not to politicians. Not to movie stars or music stars. Not to sports stars or anybody else like that. But folks... We've got a God who has been so good. And He is worthy not only of our praise and worship, but in those things He is worthy of us giving thanks. Now what, is, what does it mean to give thanks? In, in the Old Testament, it comes from two main words. Toda. Toda. You un, might not recognize that you've already been toda, todaing to the Lord. Every song that you sang you are exercising the word toda, which means to sing. And the second word in the Hebrew is yada. It means to lift the hands in praise. If you haven't lifted your hands in praise this morning, you've got plenty of opportunity left. These are ways that we give thanks, specifically in Scripture, 
through those two words, toda and yada, in the Old Testament. Now, in the New Testament, it is three words that, that come from the same root word. The root word for thanks or thanksgiving or thankful is eucharisteo. Eucharisteo simply means to be grateful or to express gratitude. It's from the word, this word that the Catholic Church gains the word Eucharist, which is for observing the Last Supper. They get that from Mark chapter 14, verse 23, where Jesus took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and they all drank of it. So that word thanks is Eucharisteo. And so that's where they get that. And we are admonished through Scripture. Praise God. We are admonished through the Scripture to give thanks to the Lord. Praise God. I know I'm doing a little bit, little bit slow teaching right now, but, but we ought to give thanks at every opportunity because it keeps the heart and mind in the right place in our relationship with God. But throughout the Scripture, we are admonished to give thanks. And 1 Chronicles 16, verse 7. On that day, David delivered first this psalm for this purpose, is to thank the Lord into the hand of Asaph and his brethren. And he says, Give thanks unto the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the people, sing unto him, sing psalms unto him, talk ye of his wondrous works. Praise God. Four times in that chapter, David admonishes those who would read that psalm to give thanks. A man after God's own heart who knew what it was to be in covenant relationship with God, one of the vital things that he admonishes his, th those that would read his psalm is to give thanks to the Lord. I think I'm going to take the advice. In Psalm 30, verse 4, the, the, the writer says, Sing unto the Lord, O ye saints of His, and give thanks at the remembrance of His holiness. In Psalm 92, verse 1, It's a good thing, the writer says, to give thanks unto the Lord, to sing praises unto thy name, O Most High. It's a good thing to give thanks. I don't know how many parents would just jump for joy if their kids give them thanks. <laughs> Without prompting. We, we encourage them to use the magic word, which is please, but we often leave aside the thank yous. How many of us would just jump for joy if that happened? Thanks, Mom. Thanks, Dad. Or in the workplace, somebody says thank you even though you're just doing your job. Doesn't happen so much in our generation to simply say or give thanks. It's a good thing to give thanks. Amen. We're given Scripture uh, examples in Scripture of giving thanks. In Second Chronicles 31, verse 2, they had just returned from tearing down altars and groves and high places that were designed for worship of false gods. Under King Hezekiah, 
Hezekiah revival was happening. And they were returning themselves to the ways of the Lord righteousness and they were restoring the feast of the Passover. In verse, chapter 31, verse 2, Hezekiah appointed the courses of the priests and the Levites after their courses. Every man, according to his service, the priests and the Levites, for burnt offerings, peace offerings, to minister, to praise in the gates of the tents of the Lord. So Hezekiah or, organized the priests and the Levites according to their service and their courses. And among those services or courses was offerings uh, of sacrifice, burnt offerings, peace offerings, to minister, to praise in the gates of the tents of the Lord. But if you're not careful, you're going to miss a very key or important service in there. Did you notice that I missed it when I read it? I did it on purpose. Give peace offerings and burnt offerings to minister and to give thanks. I purposely skipped it to see if you would catch it. Because one of the, the duties of those that were to serve in the house of the Lord, that were to offer sacrifices, was to give thanks to God. That as Hezekiah was restoring the order of the service of God, as he was bringing the nation back into a right relationship with the Lord. It wasn't just about coming to an altar and offering sacrifices of praise and dedication and worship. It wasn't just about going through the ministry and doing all the things necessary according to the law. No, included among them all was simply to give thanks unto the Lord. When we do the work of God, when we serve Him every day, among all the things that we do, uh, it's not just about coming to an altar and pouring your heart out to God. It's not just about singing songs and playing instruments and, and giving praise unto the Lord. Uh, but in all the things that we do, uh, among all those necessary services, to God, uh, we have got to take the time uh, and include uh, thanksgiving unto the Lord. Because if we're not careful, we will treat serving God like the world treats thanksgiving. We skip right over it. We jump from one thing to another, not thinking that thanksgiving is important enough to be included in the service of God. When they returned from captivity in Babylon, Ezra, the priest and scribe, in chapter 3, verse 10, Ezra 3.10 when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, because now they had to rebuild everything. Because seven years prior, the temple had been destroyed. All the, the gold and, the, and the, 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 the instruments that were used in the service of the Lord, they were all taken. So they had to rebuild not only the walls, but the temple of the Lord. And so when the builders laid the foundation of the temple, they set priests, in their apparel with trumpets, and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with cymbals, 
to praise the Lord after the ordinance of David, king of Israel. And they sang together by course in praising and what? And thanks unto the Lord because he is good. For his mercy endureth forever toward Israel. And all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. God had not moved among them. There was no Shekinah glory of presence of God there in those moments. It was simply they were trying to rebuild a right relationship with God. They were trying to rebuild the temple of the Lord. And folks, you've got to understand this morning that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And if you want a right relationship with God, if maybe your relationship with God has not been what it should be, maybe it's faltered, maybe it's been destroyed, but you want to rebuild it among all the things that you're going to do. Hallelujah. It's not just about getting your life right, but it's understanding the one who gives you the opportunity to get right, the one who loves you enough to have forgiven your sins and brought you out of that place, hallelujah, of that captivity like they did in Babylon. Oh, and he brings you back among those things that you've got to restore in your relationship with God is thanksgiving. Because it's good to give thanks. Now, Ezra, being the pre a priest and the scribe. But Nehemiah, he's also kind of one of those, it's one of those books that the Ezra and Nehemiah kind of, Ezra records these events. But Nehemiah, he's, Nehemiah is not there to rebuild the temple. Nehemiah is there to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And God performs a miracle through Nehemiah. Rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem in 52 days. Praise God. That's a miracle. And so Nehemiah, he appointed companies to stand on the rebuilt walls of Jerusalem. The north, the south, the east, and the west. In Nehemiah chapter 12, verse 40. So stood the two companies of them. And what was their purpose? that gave thanks in the house of God. Part of what they were to do on those rebuilt walls was not to rejoice in, in the, the work of their hands. It was not to, to uh, uh, be in awe of themselves and their skill and what they accomplished. It was not even just to give praise to God for giving them power to do so. But of those things was to give thanks to God. Because in the rebuilding of the temple, it allowed them to come back to a place of proper worship and service to God. But in the rebuilding of the walls, it was a protection to protect that right service, to protect that opportunity to worship God. And folks, if you want to protect 
the right relationship with the Lord in your life, uh, if you want to protect uh, against those things that are come from without uh, and try to tear down that relationship with God, uh, you need to build walls. Uh, hallelujah, that God will give you power to do. And in that building, you give thanks to God and it will stand. It will stand against the enemy. Because one of the first things that is taken from a child of God when they backslide, when they turn from the Lord, when they turn from walking in righteousness and holiness, one of the first things they stop doing is giving thanks to the Lord. Paul said, in the last days, perilous times shall come. Now, the last days, if Paul said it, if the apostles felt that they were in the last days, how much more, folks? Folks, that's, that's 2,000 years. How much more do we need to be aware that we are in the last days? And perilous times, I don't think shall come. I think perilous times are come. The season is upon us. The Lord is coming back quickly for his church. We best not get settled in late hour. We better be watchful and stay at the ready because perilous times are upon us. The writer speaks of difficult and dangerous times, times of danger, persecution, of trial, times when everything and everyone around you will seemingly be set against you. When the people around you are focused on themselves and their desires, even to your own peril and to God's exclusion. Folks, we are close, well nigh to the coming of the Lord. And perilous times are upon us. That's not a woe is me statement, folks. Scripture tells us that, that we, when we look for the coming of the Lord, that we are to encourage one another with that. Hallelujah. So, so we, we ought not fear those things. We just need to be aware of those things. Paul says that those times are coming. I say they're upon us. I believe we're living in the last days, that perilous times have come. We see a rise in persecutions of the church, of the saints, even in North America, as freedoms that we claim, not just through our Constitution, but uh, children of God. Those things are coming under attack frequently. We cry out, we complain, and we worry and fret about where we fit in our society. Let me just remind you that we are not to fit in our society. Praise God. That we are called out from among them. Praise God. We're called out of the darkness into His marvelous light. And so we ought not to fit into the world. Because if we fit into the world, the world is lost in their darkness. And if they are lost in their darkness and we want to fit in, that means that we too would be lost in the darkness. The Center for the Study of Global Christianity 
academic research center that monitors worldwide demographic trends in Christianity. Now, Christianity is the overall, those that, that uh, take the, the moniker of Christian. It estimates that there is an average of 90 to 100,000 Christians that are martyred each year. And we worry, we fret, we get so upset about the little things. Somebody hurt my feelings. I want to, Lord, help me. I, gotta, I just want to try to live for you. We get so stressed out. If we're truly living in the last days, and we should expect persecution, we should, it's going to become more and more prevalent and pointed and violent, even among those. And please understand me that if somebody is truly a Christian, they're walking according to the word of the Lord. But there are many who have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. And even in this generation, we are going to see persecutions come from those who call themselves Christians. Whoo! Boy, oh boy. Pastor's supposed to be lifting everybody up with thanksgiving. Jesus spoke of the last days in Luke chapter 21, verse 27. Then they shall see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up, lift up your heads. Why? For your redemption draws nigh. Your redemption draws nigh. And so Paul, he writes to Timothy, this young preacher, this young pastor, young leader in the church, it says, Timothy, there's going to be some signs, some indicators of the last day. Let's go back to 2 Timothy 2. He says, men shall be lovers of their... I'm going to read this in the King James. I'll go back and read it in just a moment in a different translation. Men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a full godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such, turn away. Let me read it in a different translation. This is uh, the God's Word translation. In verse number 2, we start again. People will be selfish and love money. They will brag and be arrogant and use abusive language. They will curse their parents show no gratitude, have no respect for what is holy, lack normal affection for their families. They will refuse to make peace with anyone. They will be slanderous, lack self-control, be brutal, have no love for what is good. They will be traitors. They will be reckless and conceited. They will love pleasure rather than God. They'll appear to have a godly life, but will not let its power change them. Stay away from such people. That is the, a prophecy that Paul gives regarding the last days and what men and society will be like. And folks, if you do not see it yet, just look a little bit around you and you will see it all over the place. We are living in those times. We know from Scripture that the world is going to wax worse and worse. 
even among those who call themselves Christians as they are tied to and influenced by the world and they're getting caught up in all the, the racial and political gaslighting that is being used to, and, and promoted by politicians, media around us. That is why we must be separated from the world. Uh, hallelujah. Not, 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 not that we're not in the world, but we're just not of the world. We don't, shouldn't talk like the world and act like the world and live like the world. But among all of the things that were listed, it gets missed so easily. Not just the disobedient to parents. Throw that in there. But that this generation, this last day generation, will be unthankful. In the Greek, I love when I throw Greek words out there, I made reference to it earlier. The Greek word for thankful or thanks is eucharisteo. That means to be grateful or thankful. But in the Greek, when you put an A, the letter A in front of that word, it turns it to a negative. So the negative or unthankful would be akaristos. Everybody with me? We use words like amoral. means without morals. Or agnostic, which means without knowledge, they're meaning that they're referencing that they, there's no way to know God. So adding the letter A in front of it in the Greek makes it a negative. And so we borrow that in, in the English. And so, so it, the acharistos, or to be without thanks, without gratefulness, that's part of the last days, that's part of the perilous times that generation. You see, there's always been unthankful men. Our society can be marked, uh, we can see the marked decline in thankfulness and see an increase in demands for our rights. And, and, and that began a, a couple generations ago or a few generations ago. Uh, it, it's always been prevalent, but we really saw it ramp up among the baby boomers. Please forgive me if you're a baby boomer. They created the greatest wealth in history because they began to have, have prosperity like has never been seen. And they gather their wealth to themselves. That's why as, when I was a financial advisor, we were always focused on the baby boomers and the transfer of wealth to the next generation. But that's the generation through which the demand for our rights exponentially increased. The generation coined phrases like, I deserve this, or I'm looking out for number one, or as the songwriter said, I did it my way. And from this has spawned new generations, Gen X, Gen Y, millennials, all of these becoming increasingly unthankful, increasingly demanding of rights where none exist. We're now seeing Generations Z and Alpha. And they're on the rise. And Millennials and Gen Z are, are becoming adults or have become adults. And they're affecting and changing our society. And among all those things, unthankfulness 
becomes prevalent. Among all the other types of men that we can, for, for the most part, all agree that there are the types of people we resist being and resist being around. It's this group that the Apostle Paul calls unthankful to stay away from men like that. There's something about being unthankful. It's a poison to the soul. It's a poison to those around the unthankful ones. It has a way of permeating the person and their character. It creates and also flows from the attitude of privilege and the feeling of, I deserve this. God, help us not to be so. Let me lift you up again this morning. It is biblical. As we already said, it is good to give thanks to the Lord. Psalm 97, verse 12, Rejoice in the Lord, ye righteous, and give thanks at the remembrance of His holiness. Psalm 136, I love Psalm 136. If you want to be encouraged, go read Psalm 136. We're just going to read a few verses. Verse number 1, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Why? For He is good, for His mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks unto the God of gods. Why? For his mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord of lords. Why? Because his mercy endureth forever. Jump down to verse 26. Oh, give thanks unto the God of heaven. Why? For his mercy endureth forever. I've got plenty of reason to give thanks to the Lord. If I don't have anything else, simply I must remember that His mercy has endured in my life through all of my struggles and all of my trials and all the tough times and all the hard times that, that I wanted to give up, but His mercy kept chasing me. In everything give thanks. Anybody remember that scripture? That's a positional statement. When you find yourself in trials, in tribulations, in battles, in trouble, in everything, give thanks. Paul and Silas were in prison in the book of Acts. And while they were there, they had already been beaten. They cast them down into the inner prison. And having received the charge, the jailer was to keep them, and he thrust them down as far as he could and made their feet fast in the stocks. But at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the other prisoners heard them. Because there's not a time that it's not good to give thanks to the Lord. Paul writes, and I'm not going to read this whole thing, I just want to bring your attention to I'm going to read the whole thing bear with me 2nd Corinthians chapter 11 verse 23 this is a man who is encouraging Timothy this is the man who is writing to the churches about giving thanks he says in everything give thanks look at what he's had to go through he says are they ministers of Christ I speak as a fool I am more in labors are abundant and stripes that means he's been beaten. Above measure in prisons, more frequent in deaths oft. Of the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes, save one, that's 39 stripes. Thrice I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned, 
Three times I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I've been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of water, perils of robbers, perils by my own countrymen, perils by the heathen, perils in the city, perils in the wilderness, perils in the sea, perils among false brethren. In weariness and painfulness and watchings often and hunger and thirst in fastings often and cold and nakedness beside those things that are from without those things that come upon me daily the care of all the churches who's weak and I'm not weak who's offended and I burn not if I must needs glory I will glory where of the things that concern my infirmities in everything give thanks could you imagine that man floating out there in the water, having been shipwrecked, that in the middle of that, he could look up to the night sky? Thank you, God. Oh, I hope somebody hears your preacher this morning. You're in the midst of something, and you're struggling, and you're fighting, and you're battling. And you've forgotten that in the midst of it all, you can give thanks to the Lord above. But we often excuse ourselves because that scripture in 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says in everything. But it doesn't say for everything. And we excuse ourselves letting ourselves off the hook because it doesn't say in it doesn't say for everything and we breathe a sigh of relief because it's easier to allow ourselves the easy way out of total thanksgiving but Ephesians chapter 5 verse 20 takes away that ease removes our excuses because in Ephesians 5:20 he says giving thanks always somebody want to help me for all things. Whoo! That just got real. Let me let me tell you a story. In Budapest, a man goes to the rabbi and complains. He says, "Life is unbearable. There's nine of us living in one room. What can I do?" Folks, some of us would have already lost our minds. There's nine of us living in one room. What can I do? The rabbi answers. He says, take your goat into the room with you. The man is incredulous, but the, the rabbi insists and says, do as I say and come back in a week. A week later, the man comes back looking more distraught than before. He says, we can't stand it. He tells the rabbi, the goat is filthy. He wants his space. Rabbi then tells him, okay, go home, let the goat out, and come back in a week. And a week later, the man comes back beaming. He's radiant with joy, exclaiming to the rabbi, life is beautiful. We enjoy every minute of it now that there's no goat, only the nine of us. Be thankful for all things as well. And that's where we see that a man like Job kind of loses himself 
is he forgets something like this. Oh, in, in everything, he was still able to say, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. But he did forget that for what he was going through, that he would give God thanks because he understood, but he forgot how to live it out. He understood that God is sovereign, that God can do all things. Hallelujah. Do we accept good and not bad from God? He forgot to give God thanks for because God was revealing something, doing something greater than Job could understand or imagine. You don't know what God is, why God is allowing certain things in your life. But just understand that He sees the entire picture. He knows the entire framework of His plan in your life. It's okay to give God thanks. It doesn't make you, doesn't make you odd or, or weird because you're able to thank God for the situations that you're going through. Now, don't add to it by making your own problems worse. But understand that in everything, God is working good. Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. He passed through Samaria and Galilee, and as he passed through, there were ten lepers. They lifted up their voices, and they called out to Jesus to have mercy on them. And so Jesus simply told them to go and show themselves to the priests. And as they went, the Bible tells us that, that they were cleansed of their leprosy. What an amazing miracle. He didn't even touch them. Not that he wouldn't have or didn't want to. He just told them to go, and by faith they went. Amazing as they're going. I'm clean. I'm clean. And folks... How many times do we come to church or we go to prayer? We get up from the altar, that place of prayer, and we're clean. God's done a work in our lives. And we respond in those moments like the nine. Remember, there were ten. We respond like the nine because we just keep going. But the tenth, when he saw what happened, that his leprosy was cleansed, he let the other nine go ahead. And he turned himself around. And he went back to where Jesus was. And he gave him thanks. It may seem like such a small thing. It may seem so insignificant. But that changed that man's life and direction. And he gave thanks for it. What I'm thankful for. I'm thankful for the simple things in life. For health, for strength, for food, for clothing, shelter, transportation. I'm thankful for my wife and my, my children and my soon-to-be, Lord willing, grandchild. Hallelujah. Thankful for my extended family. 
I'm thankful for salvation through Jesus Christ and desire to serve the Lord. I'm thankful for it. I'm thankful for my friends. I'm thankful for our apostolic fellowship. I'm thankful for the chance, the opportunity to do something for God. I'm thankful for the Pentecostals of Sarasota, for all of our ushers and greeters, our Sunday school teachers, our youth group, our facilitators, those who clean the church, those who take care of the parking lot and the, the landscaping and the facilities. I'm thankful for new members of the family of God, the opportunity to teach Scripture and see growth in the Lord. Most of all, I'm thankful for my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm thankful for my relationship with Him. I'm thankful for everything I have and everything I am and everything I hope to be because I owe it all to the Almighty God, my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you stand with me today? Unless you want to be counted among those who are seen as unthankful, we need to find a way to count our blessings. We need to find a way to be thankful. What are you thankful for this morning? What can you tell God as you turn your head to Him? What can you tell Him thanks for? Can you give Him thanks in everything? Can you give Him thanks for everything? Can you look at your life and see what God has done and what He is still doing? Can you look at what He's given and even the things that He's taken away and be thankful for them? has no time for thanksgiving but I wonder if this church I wonder if everybody here in the house of the Lord and those who are worshiping from home if you have time this morning to simply give thanks to the Lord Psalm 92 verse 1 it is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises unto thy name O most high to show forth thy loving kindness in the morning thy faithfulness night. Upon an instrument of ten strings, upon the psaltery, upon the harp with a solemn sound, for thou, Lord, has made me glad through thy works. I will triumph in the work hands. O Lord, how great are thy works, and thy thoughts are very deep. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm not asking you to come and pour your heart out to God this morning. If you want to do that, you can do that. But I'm asking the church, I'm asking everybody under the sound of my voice, if you will begin, if you want to come to the front, you can come to the front. But I'm asking you all across this place to turn this house into a house of thanksgiving, to begin to give thanks unto the Lord for what he's doing, what he's done, what he's working in your life. Would you begin to do that this morning? Would you begin to lift up the name of Jesus? 
Hallelujah. Give him thanks today. Give him thanks this morning. Hallelujah. Begin to count your blessings and praise him according.